Uh, we are wrapping up this Battle Ready series. Um, now, listen, if you're here for the first time today, or maybe it's your second time, then you're, you're going to be off the hook in just a minute. But I'm going to start the series taking a leap of faith. I mean, start this, start this morning's message taking a leap of faith. It worked out in the first service, so I've got confidence it's going to work out in this service as well. If you've been here for most of the weeks that we talked about Battle Ready, we have said the same phrase over and over and over again. We've said it so many times that I guarantee you, you roll your eyes when we do it. I guarantee it. I, you're like, that again, right? Maybe not, but who knows, right? So in a minute, I'm going to start it and you're going to finish it. Now, let's, let me talk you through the panic because I'm an introvert like you. So if you're an introvert and I just said that I'm going to say it and you're going to finish it, then you immediately start having a panic attack like, I'm going to start to say it, it's an inside joke, and nobody else is going to say anything. I'm going to be the one Yahoo saying it, and I'm going to be wrong. I know how this goes. I'm telling you, that's not what's going to happen, okay? Everybody's going to say this with full confidence because you have heard this so many times, okay? Are you ready? Wendy's ready. Okay, that did not give me a lot of confidence. Are you ready? You're like, I don't know, what, what am I ready for, right? I don't know if I'm ready. At this point, I'm scared right now. So here we go, okay? Here's what we said so many times. We've said this so many times. We have made this statement. We don't fight for victory. We fight I knew that three of you would get it. Good job, people. Good job. That was really good. That was really, really good. We have said that so many times. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. And so we have, every week, we have tried to show you in Scripture how that plays out in battle ready. If you go all the way back to week one, we talked about the fact that there is actually a fight. There is actually a fight. How many of you have recognized over the last eight weeks that we are in a battle, right? And they always happen on Monday. What's up with that, right? That happens any day of the week, right? We're in a fight. That second week we talked about this. That it's good to know that we're in a fight, but it's even better to know that we have a Savior. We have a rescuer and a redeemer. Um, if you were here that week, we talked about um, how Chip Kelly revolutionized um, football, college football at the University of Oregon because he would hold up signs, remember? And like they wouldn't yell out plays, they would just hold up signs. And those images meant something. And I said, you know, what we want to do is hold up Jesus. We want people to see Jesus. Because he's who's most important. It's his fight. He's the one that's rescued and redeemed us. He stepped into the battle and saved us. And that third week we talked about our enemy. There is an enemy, correct? And you are not married to him or her. His name is Satan, right? We spent one week talking about him because I said we don't want to spend a lot of time on a loser, correct? But he has an agenda and his agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy. I loved how Phil, in the middle of this, Kind of said, hey, this isn't just theory, right? But this is actual real life. And Phil talked about how we can't just know it up here, but we've got to engage in the battle. Remember he said that it's not flesh and blood, right? We keep saying not flesh and blood, not flesh and blood, right? And then we talked about weapons. We've talked about real weapons that we have. Real weapons that we can use in the battle. Weapons of worship. Bridget did a great job talking about worship. I shared with you this morning how at 9 o'clock, I mean, worship was a weapon for me. I was just like, wow, ah, dang, I just need you. And as I worshiped, he just began to minister to me. Worship is a weapon. And then last week, Adam talked about how community is a weapon. And I love that. Don't you love that? That we fight in a battle together. 
And that community is not a program. It's not something I'm supposed to do it. No, it's a weapon that we have in our arsenal for fighting. And this morning, we're going to wrap the whole series up talking about one final weapon that we've been given. One final weapon that God's given to us to use in the battle. In the battle. And it's, um, it's the, the weapon of fasting. Now, what I want you to get this morning, before you even turn to that weapon, is I want to leave you with a why, okay? Because sometimes why questions are a good thing to ask. Why has God rescued us? Why has God given us weapons? Has God given us armor? Why has God made us battle? Because you are battle ready. He, he's, you're battle ready. Why has he made us battle ready? And, and it's, it's for this reason. While we don't fight for victory, we fight from it, we do actually still fight, right? We do actually still, like God has rescued you and he's redeemed you, so you'll fight. He's given you weapons and armor, so you'll fight. He's made you battle ready, so you'll fight. What I want you to see is that when, when we fight from victory... We can fight for others. Let me, let me just give you your big idea, okay? Big idea is everybody's favorite thing because they're like, if I can remember this, I don't have to remember anything else that he says. So it's, you're off the hook. If you just get this, if you, get, if you walk out and get in your car and you remember this, we're good, right? Hopefully you'll get some more stuff, but if you just get this, you'll be fine. This is your big idea today. When we fight from victory, we're free to fight for souls. Listen, you and I are surrounded by people that need Jesus. They need Jesus. They're in the fight. And they don't have weapons. They don't have armor. If they're not following Jesus. But we do. And so he, he wants you to be in victory. So that you can then fight for those souls. And I believe that fasting. is It's hard to say which weapons are more powerful than others. But I think fasting is an extremely powerful weapon. That, that we've been given by God. And, and it's, there's a right way and a wrong way to fast, and we're going we're gonna to look at that in Isaiah 58. So if you've got your actual Bible, flip to the pages to Isaiah 58. If you've got your device, you can go ahead and start finding Isaiah 58. That's what I'll be doing on my device. And while we're doing that, let me just clarify, what is fasting? Because most of us don't really know what fasting is. When I said fast, most of you started thinking about food, Right? Usually when people talk about fasting, they talk about, well, I'm going to not eat for a little bit. And, and then when that's over, I'll go and to the all-you-can-eat all buffet at Pizza Hut, right? <laughs> it's like, I'm breaking my fast. As a matter of fact, the term breakfast comes from that. That was typically when they would break their fast. Just so you know, breakfast is good any time of the day. You should break fast at any time, right? With breakfast. So what is fasting? Is fasting just saying no to food? Not necessarily. Let me give you a, a, a working definition, okay? Fasting, the way that we're talking about it, is abstaining from something physical to obtain something spiritual, okay? It's abstaining from something physical to obtain something spiritual. It's saying no to something in this world, yes to something in the spiritual realm. So could you fast from something that wasn't food? Absolutely. Uh, probably wouldn't hurt to fast from TV sometimes, right? 
Um, maybe what I've learned this year is during political cycles, I should fast from social media, right? Because it's like, I can't take it anymore. But we can fast from those things physically in order to create space for God to speak into us spiritually, okay? So most people fast from food, and that's okay, but it doesn't have to necessarily be from food. Now, let's talk about the wrong way and the right way to fast. And we're, are you in Isaiah 58? Um, we're going to be here the whole time, the whole chapter. Um, I promise I'll speak and read fast. So let's talk about the negative first, and then we'll end with the positive. So um, what is the wrong way to fast? Let's just start with the beginning of Isaiah 58. We know right away that there's something wrong because God told Isaiah to declare to the people that they were being rebellious. So we know right away from the very first verse, something's not going the way it's supposed to go here. Verse 2. He begins to describe what they're doing. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted? So we'll stop right there. Well, what do we know about Israel to this point? They sound like pretty good church people. <laughs> like they're, they're calling out to God. They're asking for his wisdom. They're fasting. They seem to be a people who want to be near God. I mean, that's, that's not how they would fit at the gathering because we're near God, near man making disciples. So they got the first two words of our mission down, right? And yet we know that something's gone wrong. And why do we know something's gone wrong? Because it says, why have we fasted and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? And here's where God explains to them where they went wrong. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. Now, let me just set you at ease for a second, okay? Everybody look at me real quick. Because uh, if you grew up in church, you know what guilt and condemnation is because it's usually what you get in church on Sundays, right? So um, when, when I say to you, they were fasting and praying and, and they were like, but God's not hearing us. I'm not saying that if you go through seasons in your life where you are giving yourself to God, you're praying, you're fasting, and you just feel like he's not hearing you. That does not necessarily mean there's something wrong in you, okay? It doesn't necessarily mean that you have sin in your life. It could, and I think that in those times we should examine ourselves and see if maybe something's wrong, but it doesn't necessarily mean that something's wrong. As a matter of fact, I'll just say this. As a father, when I trust my children, I can leave the room and not worry about them. Sometimes silence is a sign of trust, but in this case, in this case, we know for a fact that something was wrong because God said to them, the reason that your fast is not doing what you thought it would do is because on the day of your fast, you still do what you want. Pleasing yourself is more important than pleasing me. And that's your first point. That's the wrong way to fast. Never fast for your agenda. Never fast for your agenda. When we fast for our agenda, listen to what he says. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. And here's all the stuff they were doing as they were fasting. But you exploit your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. So basically, now this sounds like a real fast, right? You ever fast and get grumpy? And at the end of the day, you're like, if anybody says anything to me, I'm going to punch them in the throat, right? You're just so hungry. They were fasting 
and yet their life did not match up to what they were doing. So they're saying abstaining from something physical, but they're not trying to obtain something spiritual. They're trying to obtain something on this earth that's there. They're trying to obtain their agenda. And their agenda was, you will work harder for me, and I will hit you if you don't. Because you are my laborer, and you're going to make me more money. And we're going to fight about it. I've got an agenda, and I'm trying to push it through. Listen, sometimes we could do the right things for all the wrong reasons. I was reminded of this when I was <coughs> preaching first service. I thought about a time in my life when I was driving Parker and Will to school, and I think they were in kindergarten. And they had to memorize scripture verses. I've shared this with the church a couple years back. They had, to, they had to memorize scripture verses. And the one that they were memorizing that week was, um, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and you will be saved, you and your whole household. And so it's in Acts. They had to memorize it. And so Parker, he rattles it off. And then when I'm like, so, Will, what's your verse? And he was just like, he was so quiet. He couldn't even say the first word. And I was like, believe? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, believe? And, and I'm driving down 52, and he's not getting it. And I knew, I could just tell he hadn't studied. He didn't know it. He, and I was, my blood started to boil, right? And I turned around. As I'm driving down Highway 52, driving, like I should be looking this way. I'm turning around, I'm looking in the back seat, and I, I screamed at my son. Kindergarten. Screamed at him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You and your whole house. <sighs> Like, Houston, we have a problem, correct? That's not the way you raise your kids to love Jesus. That's what's going on here, right? I, I'm, I want my son to learn the Bible, but I'm screaming the Bible at him, right? And so if he had memorized it, we're cool, but the heart of it, no, we're in that car. So I had to, I had to pull my car over, bawling my eyes out, kneeling in, you know, by, my, by his car seat and just crying like, well, I'm so sorry. Like, what am, I, what am I doing? That's what God said was going on with his people. When you fast for your own agenda, you get mad when people don't do what you want. And you end up, what does he say? Striking each other with fists. And the end result was, yet on this day you do as you please and you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Like, I know Verizon's got this campaign going now where, like, the guy's dropping mics all over the place. If there was a mic drop in the Bible, that's the verse. And God said, listen, I got something to tell you. You can't do what you're doing and expect me to hear you. Mic drop. Never fast for your agenda. Never fast for your agenda. So if we're not supposed to fast for our agenda, there's got to be a right way to fast, right? Surely there's a right way to fast. And so what is it? Well, God, God continues, okay? In verses 6 and 7, God clearly lays out the fast that he's looking for. And here's what he says. Is not this the kind of fasting that I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. God has things that he wants to accomplish in the world. And he wants us to be a part of that. 
And he, cl he clearly lays it out. Like, here's the fast I'm looking for. A fast that, ac that accomplishes these things that I desire to see in the world, in Albemarle, in your family, in, our, in where you work. And so while we never fast for our agenda, we should always fast for God's agenda. And that's his agenda. Now, this is not a call to um, social activism, right? This is not, uh, well, just do good things, and that's cool, right? Because we don't, we don't deny ourselves, abstain from something physical in order to obtain something physical, right? That's called a diet, right? Um, many of us, we step on the scale, and we look at the number and go, oh, I feel like God's calling me to fast, right? No, you just want to lose weight, and there's nothing wrong with that. But to abstain physically from something, to obtain something physical, is not what God's after. That spiritual co component is the power in the fast. Is that you abstain from something physical. I'm going to be off social media for a month. Why? Somebody says, why are you going to be off social media? Well, because if I'm off social media, then the time that I, I give to that, I can now give to God. So that He can do something in me. I can obtain something spiritual. I'm going to do without food. Why? So that I can spend my breakfast, lunch, and meal times obtaining something from God. Why? Because God has an agenda. And his agenda is to see the captives set free. To see injustices made right. Now, this doesn't save us, okay? This doesn't save us. We can't work and be saved. As a matter of fact, I would argue that we could never do what we just read apart from Jesus Christ. Because Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 says, There is no one righteous, no, not one. No one who seeks after God, right? So none of us, apart from Jesus Christ, and maybe even with Jesus, woke up this morning and said, My to-do list is lose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, set the oppressed free, share my food, provide for, for the poor, clothe the naked, and not turn away from my very own relatives when they need me. Because I know how you are. You're just like me. When that family member calls, and they always call only when they need something, you're like, thank God for caller ID, right? Click it through the voicemail. And, and God's saying, the kind of fast I want, my agenda is that when that family member calls you, you would not turn away from them. And he has to work that into our heart. So when we abstain physically from food or whatever it is in the physical realm, to obtain something spiritual, I want to ask you this question. What's the one thing that we could obtain from God that would allow us to live for his agenda? It's a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer. I'll answer for you. It's his heart. It's God's heart. So he has fought for us and he has secured the victory for us. And when we fight from that victory, we're free to fight for souls. We, we're free to have, he, he gives us his heart, and guess who his heart's for? It starts with P and ends with Epal. What do you think it is? People, you're so good at that. That's a great game, right? His heart is always for people. So when we fast and God gives us his heart, he gives us a heart for his agenda, his agenda is always going to be for people. Always. Now, here's the good news. God's agenda is that you would be whole so that he could use you in the fight, okay? 
Um, God is not, I'm hoping you don't have a boss like this, but he's not one of those bosses that's like a slave driver. Like he just wants to use you and use you and use you till you're worn out and then he fires you, right? He's not like that. God wants to fill you so that you're ready and whole to be used by him. Here's how I know. Verses 8 through 12. These are all the things that happen, not to the people that, you're, that he wants you to reach, but to you. So if you'll fast, if you'll deny yourself physically to obtain something spiritually, here's what you're going to obtain from God. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will appear. Your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. So you're going to be healed. You're going to be righteous. You're going to be protected then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will be heard by God and you will be answered by God. This is all you, right? You're getting this. This is stuff that happens to you and I when we fast. Me when I fast. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. We'll have the presence of God. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. You'll be led by him. And he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. Will strengthen your frame. You'll be stronger. You'll be satisfied. This is what happens in us. Like when we fast. We think of going without food and getting really, really hungry and really, really weak. But God says if you will deny yourself physically... I will pour into you spiritually and I will do all of these things before it ever says he even uses you. You will be saturated. I love this. It says you will be like a well-watered garden. Do we have anybody that works in a garden here? You ever like water a plant so much that water starts to come out from the pot? That's what this means in the Hebrew. It means that you will be watered by the presence of God so much that you'll be saturated and you will have overflow that can then go out to other people that need it. He so wants to fill you with what? Water? No. What does water represent in the Bible? This presence and spirit of God. He so wants to fill your life with the presence of God that you would literally ooze Jesus, which is a weird thing to think about. But how cool would that be? Like everywhere you go, like Jesus just comes out. He wants you to be a well-watered He wants you to be saturated like a spring whose waters never fail. Now listen, so if we fast for God's agenda, and we know that his agenda is for people, and he wants to make, and you're, we're people, right? So he wants to make us whole on the inside so that we can then go and do things. We know that the end result is he wants us to be saturated, and then he wants us to do the supernatural, Okay, look what he wants us to do, the very next few verses. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. Now, if I'm rebuilding anything and it stands up, that's supernatural, okay? He wants you to rebuild the ancient ruins. He will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repair of broken walls, restore of streets with dwellings. He's going to restore families and households. Some of you, if you're real people, then on the way to church today, you fought. It happens every Sunday. What's up with that? It's crazy. Like we have these little tips on the way to church. It's crazy. So we every Sunday come to church and we're like a little hot under the collar. And we're like, like, yeah, I'm a broken home because like we just can't have peace. I want you to know something. We try hard not to do that and we still do it. 
But in his power, when we're fully saturated with the presence of God, we can do the supernatural. And one of the supernatural things that he wants to do through us is as we're walking this city, this loop, every day for 40 days, we see families and households who are broken. And he wants to use us in such a way that we would be called restorer of streets with dwellings. He wants to use you for that. And when you fast for his agenda, he gives you his heart. And when he gives you his heart, his heart is for people. And here's what happens when we have his heart. It says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, we're still in Isaiah 58, and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, So what is he saying? He's saying when you fast and you get my heart, you're going to call things holy that I call holy. You're not going to, remember the guys at the beginning of this chapter who they were fasting but they were hitting each other. They had their own agenda so they were always ticked off. But when you have God's agenda, then God says, well, I honor the Sabbath and so you will too. And pleasing God becomes way more important than pleasing ourselves. That's what he just said. He keeps saying over and over, you won't go your own way. You won't do as you please. Here's what happens in verse 14. Then, everybody say then. We're almost done. That's a good word, right? Then, listen. Then you will find your joy in the Lord. Don't raise your hand. But Americans spend tons of money at counselors to find joy. We buy tons of books to read to find joy. We go through marriages to find joy. We dump best friends and get new best friends. We break up with girlfriends and boyfriends to get new boyfriends and girlfriends. All to find joy. And God just said at the end of this chapter how we find joy. It's by fasting to receive his heart and his agenda. So that he can use us to repair people. And then you'll find joy. I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of your land. He's going to throw a victory parade for you. Wouldn't that be cool? You are not just in the victory parade, you're the reason for it. You're just like waving to people, parade wave. Yes, thank you. God has put me on this float. (laughs) Cheer for me, right? It's crazy. You will have joy, you will have victory. And then he says, and you will feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. You will have an inheritance of plenty. Because you gave yourself away physically for a season. To reap something spiritually forever. Never fast for your own agenda. Always fast for God's agenda. And when you do, this is what you look like. Now, I've got to land two planes today, okay? We talk about landing planes all the time. It's because when, you know, we can stay up here in the air and fly these planes around and talk about ideas. But at some point, we have to walk out that door, right? We have to do something with what we've learned. And that's called landing the plane. So first, we need to land this fasting plane, okay? I believe with all my heart that God has called us to fast. Um, I have, throughout my ministry, fasted. Um, there have been seasons in my life when I just knew that God said, set these times apart and fast and see what I'll do. Um, our church, since the day that we began, and we don't talk about it a lot. We probably should talk about it more, but I'm going to tell you what we do now. Since the day we started the church, the first Tuesday of every month, we've been fasting. Maybe a meal, maybe the whole day. Maybe from social media, maybe from TV, maybe whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be food. But people in our church have been fasting on the first Tuesday of every month. And we gave it a really creative name. We called it 
first Tuesday, right? And so on the first Tuesday, which I found out later after we named it, that it's also a lottery ticket game. Who knew? They loved, our, they loved our name so much that they took it and used it for the lottery. But I do believe that First Tuesday is kind of like a lottery. You'll win a lot of good stuff from God when you do this stuff, right? We just talked about all the things that we'll get. So we take the first Tuesday of the month and we fast. And we're not smart enough to figure this out, but the battle-ready devotions that you signed up for, you've been getting them for every day for the last eight weeks. The last one that you'll get is this Tuesday, which is March the 7th, which is First Tuesday. So I would tell you this, you could live this sermon out in two days. You can take what we just talked about, and on Tuesday, March the 7th, two days from now, on first Tuesday, you could fast. You could fast a meal, you could fast the whole meal, all, all the meals. You could just fast off of Facebook. You could, I mean, whatever God tells you to fast from. But you could fast from something physically in order to obtain something spiritually. And what does God want you to obtain? His heart for this city. His heart for the people of this city. His heart for his kingdom to come here as it is in heaven. That's this Tuesday, okay? So that's, that's the landing of the fasting plane. Now, the bigger plane, the um, Battle Ready 747, right? We've been flying on this thing. Like, this has been a flight from Albemarle to Delhi, right? It's like we've been on here forever. Eight weeks. Um, you know, we've been, it's just been great. Eight weeks of, of community group, eight weeks of, of sermons, eight weeks of text devotions. It's been great. Conversations. I mean, I have no doubt that this series has impacted people probably like no series we've ever done before. Not because I'm a brilliant speaker or because any of us are, but because it was just a God time for us to do this series. So how do we land this plane? We land it like this. Could you imagine what would happen, what could happen, if we stepped onto the battlefield, confident in the victory, clothed in the armor, competent in the weapons that we've been given? What could happen in this city? I believe that God would do in this city and in our families what we just read about in Isaiah 58. I believe that he would heal, he would restore, he would rebuild, he would give life where there is no life. He will do those things. And, and we know that he wants to. We know that he can. We know that we have everything that we need for the battle. You are battle ready. I mean, I don't know how you feel, but you really are battle ready. If you're in Christ, you are battle ready. And so the only question left to ask is, will you fight? Will you step into the battle knowing what you know and fight? I want to show you a real quick clip and then we'll wrap it up. Listen, maybe what we've been doing wrong this entire time is that we've been fighting for victory. And when we fight for victory, we fear what we could lose. We become the people in the boat that say, I don't want to go back because they might swamp the boat. They might throw me out. We fear what we could lose when we fight for victory. But when we fight from victory, we hear what we could gain. You're the person in the boat who says, we got to go back because I can hear them. I hear the screams. Those are our men. Let's go back. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that there's not things that could be hard when we're battling. But we're fighting from victory. We have everything we need. Will you act? 
will you act? Will you land the battle-ready plane, walk off of it, and go to war? Because there are souls to be saved. And not just the souls out there, souls in here. There are, there are issues in us that God loves us enough and wants to heal. He wants us to fight with Him for souls. So this morning, I want to give you the chance to end Battle Ready series by taking your first step of obedience. And here's what it is. You've already got names in your head of people that you're fighting for. When I said that we fight from victory for souls, you already have names associated with souls. And I'm going to ask you in a minute to stand up. I'm going to ask you to come into the front. And I'm going to ask you to end this series as an army standing shoulder to shoulder. Shields raised, swords ready. And I'm going to ask you to call that name out. And I'm going to pray over you. And then we're going to end this series calling the only name that matters. And that's Jesus already sung that name this morning power in the name of Jesus so father as we wrap this up I, I know this for a fact you never 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 gave us armor and weapons so that we could dress up and stay in the locker room you have called us to a battle I'm so thankful that we don't have to fight for the win because you've already established that. You've already secured that at the cross. You won decisively against the enemy. But now you invite us into the battle to fight with you for souls. And so God, in just a moment, when we stand and we come to the front and we call out to you these names of people that you have burdened our souls with, we're asking that you would seal this eight weeks with a very clear call to us who we are fighting for and that we would see Jesus high and lifted up and know that he our king is victorious